Alrighty, everybody. Happy Monday night. Got one more preseason game here, and uh, I guess it, I guess it's technically week three of the preseason when you include the Hall of Fame week. Ravens and Commanders, uh, they'll play tonight. I, I think it's been interesting, Wiz, kind of watching how different teams are approaching players playing and what that's going to mean at the start of the season. I think, you know, I think in previous years, especially of late, uh, given the different schedules, I think it's it's been fair to say that there's been a lot of rust coming out of uh, coming out of the preseason, especially now preseason is shorter. These guys aren't going to be going at it for for the next two weeks, essentially, uh, as I think we are now about 16 or 17 days away from that opener. But yeah, I, I just find it. I, I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, I'm I'm starting to fall more in the camp because I because I get annoyed at lousy football to start the season. That some of these teams that are actually allowing their guys to play may have the upper hand when the regular season begins. Wiz. Yeah, I think it all depends on a lot of things, right? Kind of like how experienced is the head coach? How is it experienced is the quarterback? Um, is he used to not playing in the preseason? Is it you know is the quarterback and or coach on a new team together for the first time. Um, you know, you have all kinds of different scenarios, you know, going on here. But uh, I try not to get caught up too much in what I see or what I don't see. I think a lesson should be learned from Josh Jacobs last year in the first game of the preseason for the Raiders. The Raiders played them extensively, and it was like, oh, the Raiders wouldn't play a starting running back in the first preseason game. He must be in the doghouse. He must be third on the depth chart. They're playing him to use him as trade bait so he could show what he could do. And then what does he do? He he leads the league in rushing basically with all categories. So um, I think to your point, each team goes about it differently and uh, – uh, try and like maybe listen to some of the beat writers what they're saying about certain situations more than uh, necessarily what you see on the field. And uh, I think the big news just came out, uh, you know, literally like just a couple hours ago, is uh, the Colts are giving Jonathan Taylor the Austin Eckler treatment. Was saying, okay, go ahead, see if uh, you could work out a deal, see if someone will offer you something. I think. To land Jonathan Taylor, you're going to have to do two things. You're either going to have to give up a first-round pick uh, or a cumulative picks that may equal a first-round pick, and then you're going to probably have to set the running back market at a different level than in what it's been. And it's difficult, right, because you know not many teams have that draft capital or maybe that space financially to do that, but this guy is a game-changer, and he can make – a good team, a great team, and a contender, um, a Super Bowl champ. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Taylor situation? Is he going to have more luck than Austin Eckler? So I feel like the owner has done more harm than good here over the last few weeks uh, in terms of damaging the relationship between the player and the team. Um, Yeah, running back is complex right now, uh, but I think you've spoken about this about this numerous times, right? They should all talk to Demora Smith, the guy who 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 negotiated this contract. That's that that's why these players are in this situation, Uh, and it is what it is. It's complicated, but to your point, you know, Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor. I haven't believed anything regarding an injury with the player. I think he. 
he is looking for different diff, different pastures at this point in time. He, he sees his career with the Colts going in different directions. It's unfortunate, right? It's a distracting thing for the for the Colts as a whole. New 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 head coach, new quarterback, a lot of young players on the team. Uh, you know, losing a guy like Taylor at this point in time looks to be a very deflating situation. And certainly, it would depend on what draft capital they pick up. Uh, what a what are Jonathan's tail? What are Jonathan Taylor's best places of landing? That is another question. Which, again, Miami keeps coming up uh, as a, as a place that he could potentially land. But at this point in time, Wiz, it's it's not. I mean, it's it's very hard to determine. You know where where a player like I mean, I, I look at the Vikings. Do you have complete trust in in, in a player like? Uh, uh, Madison at this point in time, and and the guys behind him. I mean, I, I no, know. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. No, I, I. You know, I think he he's a good player, but uh, Jonathan Taylor would be a massive upgrade. But the first team that comes into mind is, well, you probably want to trade him out of conference. Do you have a connection with another team? That's checkmark two. Does the team have a general manager who's looking to wheel and deal and show he has? That's checkmark three. I'm wondering if the Eagles aren't cooking up something here where they have some running backs, they have some quality players, they could put picks together, they could do a lot of things, and I'm wondering if the Eagles aren't lining something up here who have shown that they are more than willing to make a big move and uh, talk about what that would do the Eagles and Jonathan Taylor, it, it would be it would be uh, you know a pretty incredible thing to see. Uh, the thing the thing about the Eagles running back situation right now, it's probably one of the more difficult ones to kind of assess, right? Like I think if you if you are paying attention to what the beat writers are saying, there's a lot of lean towards Kenneth Gainwell actually being the guy that's actually going to take uh, more of the earlier action. We've talked about him uh, about familiarity. Uh, we know guys like Swift and, and Penny are kind of on, on one con- one year contract deals, like uh, free options, if you will, for the Eagles. And they've even talked up Trey Sermon. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Eagles. If you were to land there, that changes everything. I would I would argue that one of those players that we just mentioned, if not two of those players that you just mentioned, would be moving to the Colts as well. Yeah, and, and they have defensive player, young quality defensive players. I mean, look if they're if they're if they're willing to move heaven and earth to get Jonathan Taylor, they have the young players' depth to do that. And I'm just going to say one last thing about Jonathan Taylor before we get on to what the main topic of of this podcast is going to be. Is this is also not only about on the field. This is about off the field strategies in terms of finances, money, where the market is headed. And just one just one thing about Jonathan Taylor is he played football at Wisconsin and he was an elite running back. He got accepted into another school, Harvard. So this is a guy who understands probably the market and things about finances better than just probably any other player in the NFL. So I'm wondering if he has a strategy uh, as far as this goes as well. All right, uh, lots uh, lots to be learned here in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. And, and uh, it makes it very difficult when you're going into draft time, which you know for us is you know a little over, I don't know, nine days away, ten days away uh, for our first draft. Uh, you know what that's going to look like by the time we get around to drafting. I don't know. Um, that's kind of what I want to talk about right now, Wiz, and kind of obviously we've seen a few different weeks of 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 uh, preseason. Uh, some guys are getting action. 
players are making noise. Some rookies are making noise. Some guys don't look good. Some teams seem to be uncomfortable uh, in different things. We saw the hard knocks episode where Robert Sala was knocking the Jets offensive line. Uh, the Bills de- the Bills offense has struggled a little bit, even with Josh Allen and the starters on the field. You know, So there, there are a lot of moving parts in preseason to watch. And obviously in those head-to-head workouts that teams are doing. I, I will say this, Wiz, you know, one thing that hasn't changed my mind in terms of strategies or anything like that, uh, you know, look, we, we do a lot of different leagues, uh, but I do feel walking into this fantasy year, I, I feel like there's depth at every single position. I don't know that I felt that comfortable about that last year. I feel a lot more comfortable about that this year, which definitely enables you to kind of you can use different strategies in different leagues depending on the scoring system, but but I would say this: I feel like there's a lot of depth at every single position this year. Was uh, I mean, I agree to a point, but in some instances, depending on what type of league you're in, I think in a 12-team league, I'm queasy about maybe some quarterbacks beyond 10. Um, I think after 10 quarterbacks that maybe I feel very good about. So I'm in a 10-team league, I'm okay with doing whatever strategy you want to do, however you feel. In a 12-team league, I think you get to a certain point where there's a little queasiness um, and, and, and some um, you're not, not such sure footing on some of those quarterbacks. Um, so, so do you mean you know, like did you mean like Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott? No, I, I don't mean I don't mean I mean like Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah. I uh, mean I know the second year, but from all accounts, the offenses look pitiful. Tua with with Waddle and Tyree Kill, that's a no brainer. But you never know, you know what's what's going to happen. He's those concussions, the more you have them, the more susceptible you are to them. Um, so Dak Prescott is not a surefire top five, seven quarterback. So I don't know. I, I think I'm not feeling great. It seems you feel better about like 12, 14 quarterbacks than I do. I think to me, I'm feeling good about nine or 10 and the 12 team league, I'm kind of looking, you know, I got to be careful about that. You know, just sticking to the quarterback position, are you saying you feel good about a good 12 to 14 quarterbacks this year? Yeah, I would say this. If it's, you know, if you're telling me that I come out of a draft uh, with a Geno Smith or an Aaron Rodgers or a Kirk Cousins or a Prescott, uh, I think I'm willing to roll the dice on what that will mean for the rest of my roster. Yeah, I mean, so let's go to Rodgers. I mean, do you think Rodgers, there's an outcome where Rodgers finishes inside the top five or seven at the quarterback position? Uh, I I do. It's going to be dependent on the offensive line. Uh, I I think this is a determined player. I think this is a healthier player. I think last year he was playing with a broken thumb which is why he averaged significantly less yards per game. And I think uh, he was kind of half in, half out as well, where uh, from the looks of it right now, his attitude has done an about face is the way I, the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, to me, I kind of put two in Aaron Rodgers in, in kind of the same situation where, yeah, if you told me they were going to play 
15, 16 games, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I don't know. Rodgers is, you know, a big part of his game has been the ability to extend plays, take off and get some first downs. At his age, is he going to still be able to do that? That's the question mark. You're willing to gamble on that. I'm not so sure I am. But, um, you know, I, I think there just could be maybe two, three, four quarterbacks that – you probably feel a little bit better about than I do. So let, let so okay. So we've we've moved quarterback aside. Let's tackle the running back and the receiver positions. I think we'd be in agreement. You know, I think we talked a lot about running backs and strategies and all that. And I think I think there's a very clear cut five or six, seven guys that are going to be kind of handling 60, 65% of the workload. After that, the situations get a little bit more divided in terms of usage. Um, would you agree, though, uh, when you look at both the running back position and the wide receiver position, that there's a lot more depth to look at this year? Actually, you can include, would, you can include tight end in it as well. I would, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Where things have taken a turn for me is, and we have not talked about this, so I'm interested to hear your take on it, is I have more confidence in the top five to seven receivers to finishing the season and being elite than, let's say, the top five to seven running backs. And that, and that, that for me, is taking a, you know, that's, that's taking a turn for me. Uh, it's years where, you know, you take those receivers and you kind of put them in a different order in that group. Now, to me, it just feels like those guys are more reliable. And with the running back guys, you know, are some of these guys, you know, they're great runners, but they, are they going to catch enough passes? What's the durability issue? Are teams going to try and keep them fresh? Um, what's the usage rate going to be? It just feels like with those elite receivers, um, if you're talking about in a snake draft, taking them early and in an auction draft, paying up, I just feel like there's more likelihood of uh, a, a return on your money, if you will, on those receivers than the top running backs. So when we're just talking about the best of the best, running backs versus receivers, would you agree about more dependability on wide receivers this year? Yeah, now there, there are some small concerns at receiver. Um, I would say Joe Burrow needs to be on the field sooner than later for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, obviously. Um, Cooper Cup has question marks not only around his own health. I, I know he's about to start practicing again, but you know, there's question marks around his quarterback. Uh, but that being said, I would tend to agree with you when I look at the top 10 to 12 wide receivers and I look at the top 10 running backs. Once I start getting past that co- that five or six, seven guys that we just spoke about, I think it gets extremely difficult uh, to figure things out. And I, I, I look at rankings and I, I see some guys that I feel are ranked too low. And I see other guys that I think are ranked too high. And I think, you know, we're going to do episodes specifically on this when it's time to push come to shove, which we will get to it sooner. But I, but I do think there's a lot of juxtapications you can look at um, where I'll just throw a name like Joe Mixon, for example. Joe Mixon looks like he's too low rated to me. And on the flip side, uh, given all the action and I know the, the accolades that have been placed on this player, I look at Bijan Robinson as a guy that's maybe slightly overrated coming into the season, giving them what's going on in the Atlanta roster. 
Yeah, I, I hear you, but like, let's say we take a guy that's ranked. Where's Mixon ranked? Well, Mixon's right somewhere between ten and fifteen at receiver. Uh, I, I running back. I yeah, mean, running back. Would you yeah, I think there's, there's some people have him closer to fifteen to twenty. I, I think he's ten to fifteen. I would agree with that. Okay, so this is this is the point I was getting at. Like, if we take a, a player like Mixon and then we take a receiver in that same grouping uh, ranking, like I feel much better about Chris Olave than I do about Joel Mixon. There's already report after report coming out that Chris Evans has won that third down job, and Joel Mixon is not going to be a three down back. So th- that that's the point I get at, and I like Mixon. And of course, you want to run back in that offense, and you, he's going to get the you know the goal line touches. But is he going to be, if they're trailing, is he going to be sitting next, standing next to the head coach? If if they're, you know, on third down, is he going to be standing next to the head coach? So, I mean, I'm just concerned about what the usage is on that player. That's why, you know, my point about relying more on receivers than running backs. But I will say this. When you look at where these rankings are way off, it's definitely at the wide receiver position. I just think some of these receivers are ranked so poorly uh, to where their real value is. I think that's where you could, uh, you know, really do do good things at your draft. So we'll definitely get to, like, players about rankings and which players were having difficulty rankings and all of that. But I just think there's so much volatility at the wide receiver position, and there's so much quality depth. Um, I think some of these receivers that are ranked 35th, 40th, have actually, uh, you know, can be running back twos. So, uh, I mean, wide receiver twos. So I, that's why I feel like um, – Wide receiver is a very interesting position this year. I know this is going to sound crazy to you, Wiz. I, I think there's a position that has suddenly got me very nervous, believe it or not, because I just, just think there's a lack of top 10 talent, and there's so many young guys at the position now, and that's kicker. Um, there are big changes at kicker in the NFL this year. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, too. I mean, Robbie Gould no longer. Uh, did, did the Patriots, who the Patriots announces their starting kicker? They have not. They have not yet done that. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see. How- you know, I don't. I believe that both Nick Folk and Chad Ryland are there. No, they, yeah, that's those last I saw as well. So yeah, I mean, with kicker, um, <laughs> you know, I know for most leagues, people don't care about the kicker, and there, you know, I've seen so many. You know, analysts and people talk about, well, why even have a kicker? But we like the kicker position. This strategy in drafting kickers, um, the distance they'll send them out for, the frequency they'll send them out for, if they're kicking in good weather, all of those things. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't look into it that closely to, you know, see uh, that that, you know, that that's the case. But uh, to you. As far as you're concerned, after maybe a handful of guys or five or six guys, you think there's a lot of unreliability at the kicker position? Yeah, yeah, because we don't know who the charger kicker is yet. There's Dustin Hopkins is there, and so is Dicker. Uh, I'm seeing guys like Greg Joseph ranked in the top 12. I told you how traumatic that's been for me in my ownership right. of that player over the years. Um, Jake Moody's on a high-powered offense, um, but he's a rookie kicker. How's that going to go? Um Matt Gay has moved to Indianapolis, but there's a rookie quarterback there. I, I just think there's, a, to me, a, there's a lot of confusion to kicker. I I think outside of a few guys, I'm becoming very uncomfortable. I, I would say if you don't get one of those top five guys, 
you should wait to the very end or you should just pay for a dollar at the end because I think there's right. a lot of question marks a kicker. And you could always go to the old streaming option where look at the end of the day, these kickers are relatively close. I, I saw something very interesting where as far as fantasy football kickers are concerned, Matt Bryant, I think, may have been back-to-back top-ranked kickers uh, in back-to-back years. And then after that, I don't know, it may have never happened uh, again or, or, or something to that effect. So, yeah, I think unless you feel great about having a terrific kicker on a high-powered offense, yeah, maybe you want to just uh, wait till the very end or spend a dollar in, a, in, a, um, in an auction draft on one of those kickers or just not even worry about it and just keep streaming week to week uh, where there's always a fairly good matchup to choose from. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I, I haven't even thought about my answer to this question yet, too, so you can take a second to think about it. We've seen a couple of weeks of preseason. An NFC team and an AFC team, one team that is surprising you to the upside, could have been a team that we already discussed already, and one team that concerned you to the downside, each, each conference. So I'm going to st- I'll start with the NFC. Um, how about that? Uh, I, I think a team, uh, and we've spoken a little bit about it, but, but for me right now, the team that looks like has the most potential to surprise the upside for me is the Green Bay Packers. Um, yeah, and I, that was the team I was going to mention as well. Yeah. Um, it's not really a surprise to me. I mean, um, you know, I know people talking about the quarterback and, you know, and, and, and the, you know, the thing is, he stood around and he watched Aaron Rodgers, the way he handled himself and the way he conducts himself in meeting rooms, in the quarterback room, uh, all the, you know, for these years. And uh, he's looked good and he's throwing to these young quarterback, young receivers that he's thrown to probably more than Aaron Rodgers did when he was going on those retreats or whatever. So he probably has a good rapport with them. They have an excellent excellent one two at running back with Jones and Dylan and I feel that defense is clearly the best defense in that in that NFC North so I agree with you but I'm really not surprised okay and, and a downside team I'm gonna say in the NFC and I just think the pressure if they get off to a bad start is gonna build really quickly they made changes at almost every single coaching position. I know they brought in some key players. I don't like what I've seen in practices where a guy just fights every single day you're reading about. It. I'm talking about the Cowboys, Wiz. I'm concerned about what I see there. Yeah, I was thinking about the Cowboys um, when I was doing some analysis for the upcoming drafts. And, uh, yeah, I know there's, 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 this could go sideways. This could go sideways because, you know, the owner has an itchy trigger finger. Um and you know McCarthy's on the hot seat. With that being said, I just look at the talent, and they have, I mean, four quality running backs um, that I think uh, you know could step in the on the field. And um, and I, I like the addition of Brandon Cooks. I don't know if Michael Gallup is ever going to recover enough to be back to being you know a quality receiver, um, but. I hear you, and it can go sideways. Um, this is just a, a, a situation of will, right? Um, will this team have heart and play with heart, or is it going to start being the blame game, um, and that could happen quickly. So 
I understand. I, under, I hear what you're saying, but I still am not uh, going to go to DEFCON on, on the Cowboys quite yet. Okay, and how about the AFC? Why don't you? Uh, it, I, I'm, again, I'm putting you on the spot here. We haven't even talked about it. I haven't even thought about it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna think about it when you give me your answers. I think I think the Bills are an interesting situation here. I I, I just feel like this is a, such a make or break year for them, where um, you feel like you're not quite sure how many more years that window is going to be open. Uh, they had that heartbreaking loss at Kansas City, uh, game that they should have won. Then upset last year at home against the Bengals. Then the offseason stuff with Diggs. I don't know if it's going to go bad for the Bills, but I will say considering the fact that they're in a rough division, um, I'm, I'm interested to see how the Bills come out opening Monday Night Football against the Jets. And I would say that there's a, there is a level of concern about Buffalo. Okay. Um, uh, the team that I have confidence in or I'm gaining confidence in uh, based on what I've seen in the preseason and what I'm reading about is the Pittsburgh Steelers was, um, it looks like the offense has been opened up a little bit. Kenny Pickett looks more confident. We know they have a really exciting weapon in Jalen Warren. Uh, they have two, two tight ends now with that beast Washington. Um, I like the way the Steelers look. I think they're going to be better on defense as well. Wiz. Uh, Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season since he's been a Pittsburgh Steeler, but it seems to be moving in a proper direction in Pittsburgh. I like them as well. Their defense looks good. Um, Kenny Pickett, can he make that step? You know, their defense looks looks good. Uh, again, you're talking about a division uh, that has, you know, potential for four good teams. I mean, all of these teams could be above 500. Um, but I think I'm with you. The more I see of Pittsburgh, two good running backs, two good tight ends, emerging young receivers, um, their defense has always been a staple, so kind of with you on Pittsburgh as well in the AFC. Okay, and a team that I have some worries about in the AFC, and you know, you mentioned the Bills, uh, and believe it or not, was you know, I, I worry the fact that Joe Burrow has not been on the field. Uh, I'm not sure this defense is as good as it was last year. They lost some key components to it. Uh, you mentioned the mixing part and the backups there. P. Ryan's no longer a part of this. You're talking about a team with a window open where I don't know how long you can keep guys like Higgins, Chase, and Burrow together because it's very expensive. So I just, you know, the fact that Joe Burrow's going to start the season cold like he did last year, I think it will be something to watch early in the season if there's cobwebs around the Cincinnati Bengals to start the season because they can ill afford because of their division. I think all the teams are better in that division. Yeah, I mean, I hear you on the Burrow thing, um, but this is a guy who shows that he has showed that he can miss all of the preseason. And last year, the situation with the appendicitis, uh, and then he came out was was actually sluggish in the first game or two, uh, and then he picked it up. So, but um, it's a different type of injury, right? It's a a type of injury that you can re-injure. Um, so he's. I'm, I'm going to be watching what that team looks like the first couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, I think 
if it goes bad for Burrow, then they just don't have the um, backups or, you know, the ability to uh, stay and play at that level. So I, I, I'll i be watching the Burrow situation. It's also, you know, kind of an injury that if it's not given full time to rest, it, it could re-aggravate and that would not be good. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, just I, I'm not declaring it. I'm just saying it's a it's it's a situation to be watched is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, Wizzle, that's all I got. You know, again, uh, we wanted to kind of get some thoughts together uh, as, as we're progressing closer to the season. We, we, do, we are going to have some rankings. We're going to have some predictions. We're going to have some bold calls. That's, that's all to come. But I thought this was uh, something that we kind of did very imp- impromptu, and uh, hopefully uh, it's something that people uh, listen and learn to. Absolutely, yeah. I and mean, we'll uh, get any more uh, specific uh, as, as it gets uh, a little bit closer. All right, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make sure you are listening each and every week. Wiz, great job. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the game. And uh, we will talk later in the week. You got it.